Hello, and welcome to the show where we cast our favourite books into film. I'm Flo. I'm Rachel. And I'm Roxanne. And this is Typecast, brought to you by Rare Birds Book Club. This week, we're casting, drumroll please, Last Night by Vary McFarlane. You were very cool under pressure there. Rachel's doing I was making the most intense could. eye contact with you, just willing you to break. She was really trying to throw me off and she didn't succeed. Uh. If anything, she made me stronger. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, this is an exciting week for us because we're getting to talk about Vira McFarlane, who we love. Ooh, we're super, super, super fans. Super fun. Yeah, Whenever a new Vari book comes out, we're just like, we read it in a day and then we're just like, we need to talk. We need to meet and talk about yeah, it. Yeah, it's sort of like a religious holiday for us, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> so you get the book, you put your phone on silent, you get in the bath and you don't get out until you finish yeah. it. <laughs> like I read her books like almost painfully fast. Mm. Like it's like yeah. I, I truly will like read them in one sitting, especially when they're a little bit shorter where you can realistically finish it in a day if you just don't blink. For like <laughs> Blinking is overrated. <laughs> it's like at the end of it, like my eyes are so dry and I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm like, must get to the final page. I know. And it's like it's, you, re- you read it in sort of like a fever dream. And then the next day I'm like, I need to go back and actually check out what happened. Put some just, cucumbers on yeah. my eyes. Yeah. A, v- a Vari hangover. Yeah. In fact. yeah. It is. It's just like a delicious meal, but you're like so hungry that you just make yourself sick. <laughs> Yes, that's that's the perfect analogy. <laughs> we really love Fari. Is basically what we're trying to say here. And if you've never read any of her books, she is a Sunday Times best-selling author, a native Scot, now living in Nottingham, and this is her seventh novel, which is I didn't sort of didn't register she'd written so many, but that's great for us, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we actually cast her fourth novel, Who's That Girl, in the first season of Typecast, so you can go back and listen to that. So I'm going to do a little synopsis. Um, it's relatively spoiler free. So if you haven't, I should say, if you haven't read the book yet and you don't want anything spoiled, it's probably a good idea to turn off about now because we are presumably going to get into some we're gonna of the, get, we're gonna get deep the spoilery yeah. things, I think, because we need to, to talk about it. And you know what? You know, the book's going to take you a day to read. Your eyes are going to be sore. You're going to need something to listen to. <laughs> yeah. to recover. Get your eye drops, get the book, get comfy. <laughs> yeah. get and, going. Then, and then come visit us in 12 to 14 hours. But for now, I will read out my relatively spoiler free synopsis. Okay. Eve is 34, single, and stuck in an uninspiring copywriting job. Who isn't? Along with her beloved cat, Roger, the great oh joys and constants in her life are her three best friends. Three, <laughs> three, three. We're the three best friends. Are <laughs> 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 her you three. You really got me with the copywriter bit because I was uh, like, oh my God. Are uh, her three best <laughs> friends. Justin, Susie and Ed, who she's known since school. Stop laughing. It's not that funny. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, you're grown women. <laughs> but Eve is hiding a secret. She's been in love with Ed ever since he declared his feelings for her the night before they left for uni. Despite the feeling being very much mutual, fate had other ideas and they never ended up together. 16 years on, Eve's hope for a romance are finally dashed when Ed's long-term girlfriend Hester suddenly proposes in the middle of their weekly pub quiz. But heartbreak isn't all that fate has in store that night. 
Eve's world is further shattered when one of the three is hit by a car and killed after leaving the pub. In the wake of this tragedy, a grief-stricken Eve ends up uncovering some shocking secrets and also has to grapple with the demands of Finley, the aloof but undeniably sexy brother of the deceased who turns up to throw several spanners in the works. As further buried truths come to light, Eve is forced to reckon with the realisation that sometimes the people you're closest to are the ones hiding the biggest secrets. Ooh. Like three breast friends. Like three breast friends. We're Wait, three breast friends. I, I didn't even say that right. <laughs> three breast friends. <laughs> to the tune of three blind mice. <laughs> three breast friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Her books just pull you in. And, and whenever I'm in a reading something, I know one of uh, Farrah McFarlane's books have come out. I know that she'll start me out of it. And I just pick it up and then I can't stop reading it. Yeah. Reading about grief is often very boring and hard work. Oh, totally, because yeah. yeah, because you need your characters to be moving in the world and grief itself is so exhausting yeah. and boring And anyway. it is boring, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for her to write a page turner that, that <laughs> kicks off with all this grief is a really complex thing to do. I'm not quite sure how she's done it, but... Um, no, yeah. totally, I agree. I mean, I was thinking about this because it's like whenever you see grief on TV, it often tends to be either quite boring mm-hmm. or it's just dashed off in a really unrealistic mm-hmm. way, like you're watching like a soap or a sitcom and it's like in two episodes they're over it because it's like it's really hard to create a story out of it or a narrative about out of it. And that's why I think she does well is because she does actually create a narrative out of it because mm-hmm. there is this sort of, not a mystery but there is all of this stuff that comes out after the death of the friend who, should we name the friend who dies at this point? Susie. Susie, who is um, Eve's sort of best friend from school. Mm. Um, And basically what happens is she kind of starts to uncover some secrets and that kind of really drives it and complicates the grief. And she's still grieving her friend, but she starts to realise like, maybe this I didn't really know her that well and there was all this stuff that she hid from me and that's very complicated and confusing and confronting for her. It's a very clever device too because so much of when you do lose someone is that loss of knowledge um, and, you know, that the loss of their stories and what they thought and, you know, you can't ask them these things anymore. Um, but it's also a very clever narrative device because once you know there's a secret as a reader, you're like, well, what are the secrets? I want to know. And that does, you know, p- pull you through. Mm-hmm. She just writes the grief in a really convincing way. Um, she does this lovely thing where she kind of Eve talks about Susie in the present tense and she keeps saying like oh when she comes back she's going to be so mad that we you know did this mm-hmm. so, so mad that we you know did that which feels really authentic and I don't know it's just even though it's it's not a very long book and even though she doesn't have that much space to kind of dedicate to sort of teasing out this grief journey that she goes on it still just feels really convincing I think. Did you think it was Susie that was going to Bite the bullet? Yes. I thought it was going to be Ed. I did too at first. Yeah. Because I thought, oh, that's what this book is. It's going to be a book about she loves this guy and then before anything can ever happen, he's taken away and she kind of then has to reckon with the fact of like, am I just going to be in love with this person mm-hmm. who maybe never even existed actually and now is gone forever and moving on from that. Um, so I was quite surprised when it when it was Susie actually. I, I liked that she chose Susie because I think uh, that you can get uh, – trapped if you're if you're going to ki- kill off someone that's a potential love interest that that 
in my mind is that sort of Romeo and Juliet syndrome where it was like, oh, look at this perfect love that's trapped in time and it has none of the complications or the tangible problems of real love. It would be very hard to take the story out of like, well, her first choice was always going to be the person who died and nothing will compare to this perfect thing that never was. Yes. I think that, I mean, it obviously would have been a very different book, but I think that would be very hard to turn into a love story. Yeah, Because that's kind of what happens in this book is like we have this kind of huge life event for Eve where her best friend dies really suddenly and she has to make sense of that. And then it sort of burns off into a love story in the end Mm -hmm. as she sort of kind of adjusts to her new reality. It also makes room for something else coming in. Yeah. And I think as well, because I think Ryan McFarlane is more interested in writing about the relationship between these two women, Mm -hmm. really, rather than just Eve and this guy. Um, because it's it's complex, isn't it? It's sort of revealed that they were so close and she thinks, oh, I know everything about her. And then she, you know, she literally yeah. takes out a box of her letters and diaries and, and happens to read one and realises, oh, my God, like she's keeping all this stuff from me and, and how complex that is. And, you know, it's like a female friendship isn't just, oh, we're sisters forever. It's like these are two very different people negotiating life in different ways and they're not always going to, you know, see eye to eye. I think too, it's really well handled in the sense that they're childhood friends and that kind of really unique relationship you have with your childhood friends where it's, you know, it's very believable that Eve really feels like she has ownership over Susie. Mm -hmm. She's part of Susie's sort of origin stories and where, you know, Eve struggles is kind of putting her in the context of her university friends who are much different or her like the teacup, girls all these other people in her life that Eve's looking at and she's like that's not Susie that's not Susie that's not Susie but then of course it is because you know that's just another aspect of her life everyone everyone needs their secrets everyone has their own private oh my god what are you hiding from us <laughs> I do so secrets? much spill it <laughs> or are you like Eve where you think you're hiding so much but really we all know <laughs> yeah. I mean it's probably the second one <laughs> I mean, I don't keep any secrets, actually, really. <laughs> you true, the, you the sentence started with, like, <laughs> everyone needs their secrets. I have my secrets. Well, I does. don't keep any secrets. <laughs> but I also tell people way too much all the time. So that's another thing. Anyway, um, but I, I don't think I would expect what Eve expects. And I thought that was that was nicely done, that the irony of Eve being like, I can't believe Susie's kept all these secrets from me while keeping a massive secret from Susie, which yeah. is that she has feelings for Ed. Um even though everyone knows, which yeah. you know is, is is quite funny, but um or tragic depending on how you look at it. But but I I, I felt that was quite genuine, this idea like how could anyone keep something from me? while you're literally keeping something from yeah someone. yeah so uh, one of the things that we talked about a lot after we'd finished reading this was the was the sort of the box of letters and oh diaries boy. that you discovers because she ends up she reads one letter doesn't she and then she ends up destroying the rest when she i know when she when she's like i'm gonna burn them I'm like she's not gonna burn them i know that's not gonna happen but then when she drowns them I'm that, just like, that honestly was the biggest twist for me i was like <laughs> what that she actually destroyed yeah. them yeah i was like there is first off i will freely admit there is no way I would have burned that yeah. book. I would have read every, every single, single thing <laughs> in that, especially if I saw my name. I mean, I wouldn't have even needed to see my name. I would have just been in that box and just be like, well, they're dead, you know. Also, I'd, I'd more likely like scan them and upload them to a hard drive. So keep them <laughs> and then keep the second copy in a safe. <laughs> what happens is that Eve sees, sees this letter where Susie is saying something 
you know, fairly disparaging about Eve and that she knows about, her, like, Eve's feelings about Ed. And and that was the other thing. I was like, if I read a letter about me, I mean, that's it. All wild horses couldn't yeah. hold me back. Like, yeah, I'd be you like, you little bitch. I know. <laughs> what else have you said about me? <laughs> Look, I'm going, <laughs> it's helping with the grief process by slowly hating you. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Because Rach, you, you asked Sorry about this, didn't you? And and she said, you know, well, I don't think Eve is the type of person who would read them because she reads the first and it's so painful for her that, you know, I don't think she'd want to go looking for more pain. And I, I get that. And I think yeah. she, she actually does a good job of, of kind of explaining and putting out why Eve does it. And also she does it when she's drunk as well. Yeah. So it's a kind of impulse thing. So I think it does work. It's just that it's all so frustrating that mm. you have, you feel like you have this box of secrets right there. What else is she I actually, hiding? I actually think what makes a lot of sense about her destroying the letters, at that time she's really trying to keep them out of Finn's hands as well, which mm. gives her sort of extra motivation because it's like she's not just destroying them for herself, she's destroying them for other people. Well, for Susie, really. Yeah. She's like, Susie, wouldn't, Susie doesn't want this read by me or by anyone so it's got to be me that gets rid of them which Look, makes yeah, i'm telling sense, you now if I you would, have a box of letters or a journal and it falls into my hands i'm reading it I, i'm <laughs> reading it yeah can i have permission if you die to read your diaries i yes my diary first of all i don't have a diary i have like one diary from when i was 14 yeah and same I, and i've read you snippets of that <laughs> Your My diary, diary is incredible. So, because I can never keep a diary. You know why? Because I was like, I've just done this shit. This Maybe is so I know, boring. I find myself too boring. To I know. What about, okay, your texts though. Oh God, no, you can't read like your what's Your WhatsApp. <laughs> your WhatsApp archive. Oh no, I'm an absolute bitch. I never read those. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good one. That's really tough because yeah. a text, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because it's like, that's, that's the other thing is like, which is never really explored in the book, but Susie has, or Eve has Susie's phone all the way through and that's, that's way more so incriminating true. and that's not right. really so an element of it but for a lot of us having the phone would be access to absolutely everything and funnily enough I don't think I would look through someone's phone that seems like a step too far for me I would read your diaries from say to 17 but a phone I oh. sort of I sort of agree with that actually because there's, a, there's an element to which a diary is a kind of you know it's performed a little bit mm. in the way that your life on your phone isn't like it's very in the moment yeah and edited your diaries in some ways yeah your diaries are essentially a time capsule particularly mm. if they're old like you know the the letters and the diaries that eve destroys are not really current like they're from the letter that she reads is from university yeah so they're already you know over a decade old so it's a little bit different whereas like you know, your current text, you can scroll back a week ago and see. I didn't even think about the phone. Oh, the phone. Yeah, the phone is. See, this is the thing about like writing this kind of story is that the implications of it are so wide reaching. There's so, there's so many different directions this book could have gone in. Yeah, don't, okay. I promise so I won't read your phone. Don't read the text. I won't read the text, no. Because I also, I actually I'd think be my wo- text would be too boring. I'd also be very worried about any kind of photo reel. Like if you're coming across anyone's phone, you know, the mm, photo reels. Yeah. Oh, don't want to mm. see the nudes. No. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or, or the, or even worse, 17 million screenshots of recipes. <laughs> 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 or like the occasional bitchy screenshot of like someone's story or tweet yeah. <laughs> that you've sent off to your WhatsApp group being like, mm, look what she said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, okay, that's the, we've come down as the moral police. You can look through someone's box of letters. That's fine. If you look but through you the phone, you're a bad person. I don't know. The I, but the thing is, <laughs> if you die, I'm reading them. Okay, yeah, you, get, you have permission. Fine, that's fine. Uh, let's Let's get into like 
the character of Ed. I'm curious. So Ed, Ed is Eve's best friend. I almost say that in inverted One commas. One of the bezies. Who admits that he has feelings for Eve when they're about 18. And uh, she she they kiss. They're really excited about it. They go off to uni. She writes him a letter, which he, he writes, never gets. He writes her a letter. Oh, that's right. He writes And her. he says, yep. if you feel the same way, send me a letter back. And that's mm. how I know. And then she does. But then... He never gets the letter and then he turns up a couple months later with like a new girlfriend and she's devastated and then 12 years pass and she's sort of still in love with it. And and, and what did we think of it? Because I, I, I didn't it's like just it. just a sort of classic nice guy, isn't he? Like mm. he's a guy who prides himself on being good and genuine and straightforward and he's sort of not. He's a little, he's a little sneaky, sneaky yeah. snake, isn't he, actually? Just, just a bit... I don't even know if he's sneaky. He just seems pathetic to me. Yeah, he's, you know, he's sad, weak. I think yeah. the the bit I think that is most annoying about the dynamic between Eve and Ed is that, you know, he doesn't get the letter and that's kind of like an honest misunderstanding. But it's not one that carries through at like, you know, 12 years. Mm-hmm. It's like they know something's gone wrong really soon after. Yeah. Because she does kind of confront him on it. Yeah. And it's like, I, you, you know, he's like, you never wrote to me. And she's like, I did, I did. And he's like, oh God, there was the flood in the flat and I didn't get it, whatever. So, but it's not like after that he turns around and dumps his girlfriend. Mm. So the bit that I think is very frustrating about that dynamic that Eve is like holding this candle for him all these years is that, you know, he actually really early on makes it kind of clear yeah. that he's not he interested. Like choice, he, she yeah. was single. She was like, I do feel this way about you. He's like, oh my God, I'm devastated. So I'm going to keep dating my girlfriend yeah. for another yeah. 10 years. Which I think is quite convincing as one of those people who just falls into a relationship and mm-hmm. stays in it out of convenience really rather than anything else. And just because he's too sort of scared to disrupt the status quo. Absolutely. Like taking a, but it's not even taking a risk on Eve. No. It's just, but yeah, you're totally right. He like clearly makes his choice. He chooses Hester and mm-hmm. he sticks with it. Yeah. And, and. Barry's very good at writing weak men. Like we, we see that with yeah, Jack in in Who's That Girl. We see Tom that Felton. Tom Felton, <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, we we see it with um, Georgina's ex. Uh, you know, there's the, there's she's really good at writing weak men and and giving them dimension too. But as soon as you know that Ed just got the letter but stayed with his girlfriend, a girlfriend that he sort of seems annoyed by that you know, immediately irritates me. I don't, I, I always think it's like a massive red flag in a person if they're disparaging about their partner or always acting like they're annoying them. It's like, well, you know, how dare you? <laughs> like, yeah. Either be with them and treat them well. Don't sit there and, and be annoyed consistently by your partner and, and tell other people. I just, so he was icky to me from the start and, um, Actually, like one of the surprises is that they they sort of remain friends at the end, and I don't think he's been a very good friend to her. Um, Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things I thought was actually less realistic in the book was that she sort of confronts him about his behaviour at the end, and he kind of accepts it, doesn't he? Yeah, I would I would say that maybe the only thing that doesn't sort of ring true is that somebody who had done so much you know what I mean he had never done any self-reflection up until that point and for her to kind of dish it out and for him to be able to turn around having digested that 12 hours later and be like you're right I'm sorry I was wrong well he's treated all three women all the three most important women in his life terribly he's kept 
He keeps um, Eve on a thread because he likes the attention. He cheats on his girlfriend, Hester, and then he sleeps with Susie. And then, you know, that poisons the well between Susie and Eve's relationship. So, you know, he really is a, <laughs> like a bad a bad person in, in, in my view. I, I There is some sort of resolution. I think he sort of understands that he's allowed himself to just take this easy route because he just likes being seen as the good guy. He's not like actively malicious. He's like almost passively malicious. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, he's so passive. It's, it's, and, a, it's yeah. all passive. He just lets it all happen and he yeah. he takes no sort of active role in it. And that almost makes it worse. You're not even like putting up your hands and being like, well, yeah, I'm doing this terrible thing. You're like, well, I didn't mean to do this terrible thing. Yeah. I keep just doing these terrible but this things. Is, this is the thing though about Ed is that I don't, is he actually actively doing a terrible thing? Like, even though Ed is not, hasn't been like, you know, a top drawer great guy. It's like what ha- happened, what passed between them is so long in the past. Mm. And Eve just is sitting out, hanging out, like loving him anyway. For for what reason? Yeah. You know what I mean? He's I'd not truly stringing yeah. her on. Like they have kind of a platonic relationship. He's made it clear, even in a kind of not clear way, a long time ago. He's not going to dump Hester. Mm. So what's what's Eve doing there? Like, we can't really hold Ed responsible no, for that. No, and I don't. I, I, I definitely don't. Because, you know, Eve could at any point have said to Ed, what are you doing? I want to be with you. Do you not want to be with me anymore? You know, or or just gotten over it. Yeah. But, um, I guess Eve is a bit of a romantic, really, isn't she? And she sort of is in love with the idea of Ed more than the real yeah, Ed. That, all that it, stuff. Yeah. It's just... She writes all these characters so well, you know, they're not straightforwardly brilliant Good people. There's a lot of shades of grey. There are, you know, 50 shades of grey at least. <laughs> I was I say. Say. <laughs> well, and I, yeah, I just, I just think Ed is a great character because he just, he seems like such a real person and he seems like one of those guys who is a bit wet and a bit mm-hmm. pathetic and mm-hmm. does some shitty things, but lo- prides himself on being a good guy, I think. Definitely. Let's talk about our darling Finley. <sighs> Finley the fitty, Finley the model turned mm. therapist. My <laughs> what, a, what a lethal combination. Oh, I tell you. I like mean, he's we were super just saying, hot and super in touch with his feelings. We, we were saying Dangerous. how she can write grief, but my God, she can write hot, handsome heroes, can't she? So what, I mean, how hot is he on a scale of one to... Chris Evans, for <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> On a scale of one to Elliot or, you know, because we were trying yeah. to, to gauge which very um, hero we thought was the hottest. Uh, and it's quite hard because they're all really hot. He's I, not, think, uh, I, I don't think he's my top hottest, but he's up there. Yeah, he, he's up there for me. He's tall, dark and handsome and exactly in touch with his feelings. I mean, and rich, which also helps. Yeah. Yeah, and he wears nice white trainers, isn't he? Box rash. They never scuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I mean, what do we feel like there's a little bit less to say about Finley than in the the leads in her other books, maybe? Because he feels not, he's not sidelined, but he's less of a focus. Yeah, this this was the first time I think the the love story really took a backseat to the the storyline between. Eve and, and Susie really her her you know confronting her feelings about Susie and 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 what was going on in their their friendship group um so I, I think Finley doesn't play as big a role uh and you know I, I would have yeah. liked to see more only because oh, I yeah, always I like to see more. more 
a lot of it is about Finn opening up to Eve. And then once he's done that, and once they've kind of established that understanding, they're just a couple, like they're just going out. So yeah. it, it can be sort of a secondary thread because there's nothing really keeping them apart. I mean, Vara has such good instincts for like what needs to happen to kind of bring characters together. So she she sends them on this sort of romantic adventure into, into Edinburgh. Yes, which oh was a very which is so fun. It was to a read. very special treat for us. Wasn't I know. Yeah. They're they're basically traveling around trying to find. Um, Finn and Susie's dad who has Alzheimer's and he's sort of disappeared on a, a sort of wild goose chase in Edinburgh so they had to go and try and find him and it just gives them all these opportunities to chat and get to know one another and break through break the ice and she gets to know the real him and they have all this sexual tension and it's just that, that whole section I thought was so much fun oh yeah it the, was the, the scene in the hotel with the towel <gasps> like, oh my god yes that is great so funny um, yeah, that is a great moment because it's a moment of like much needed levity and also when he doesn't turn up you think like oh god he's do- he's doing something nefarious or something terrible has happened and then it's just this really silly thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and I he's think it's so really embarrassed nice. which yeah. is great. Yeah. It kind of it's a nice scene because it also like breaks down him being this kind of untouchable. Totally. Yeah. Unreachable. He's, he seems much more human after. Yeah. It, yeah. Mm. Okay. Time for our casting call. It is the casting call. We've got a couple of rules, <laughs> and then we've got a third rule. Um, <laughs> here they are. One, you must cast actors. Two, they must be contemporary. Three, they can't be dead. So it's really hard to. Do get you think the third <laughs> rule is kind of redundant? Because the third rule is truly encompassed in the second rule. You've brought this up before, <laughs> but. No. It's too late in the, in the game to change the rules. I mean, is it? Anyway, okay. The rules are the rules. Yeah. Um. So talk a little bit about. I mean, we're going to cast Eved and Finn. Yep. I assume. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Um. I made some notes about what the characters looked like. If you'd like to hear them. Far away. So Eve has long, straight, midnight black hair. Wears black eyeliner and Doc Martens and looks like a sad-eyed doll. Um, and for me, that's a real, like, very kind of archetype character. Like, this sort of, like, witty goth girl, yeah. I think, is very very. And it yeah. felt like a bit of a... Not that Edie is a goth, but it felt like a return to an Edie type of character. Yeah, who's that girl. I would agree with that, yeah. Um, Ed has nice hands. Which and is a detail that really spoke to me. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. like nice hands. Yeah. What is it about hands? I don't know. Dudes with nice hands. It's just, it's a thing. I think it's also because it's like one of the first things she says about him. That you're like, mm. oh, she's in love with him, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he has nice hands and he looks like a teacher with his unthreatening, handsome solidity, strawberry blonde, close, close cropped hair. Now, Finley has solemn dark blue eyes and a straight brow. Of course he does. <laughs> with a neat and straight nose, pronounced cheekbones and dark brown hair. He is intimidatingly well put together. His face looks like a plasterer could sculpt it in a few quick swipes of a trowel. Fierce geometry. <sighs> so with all angles. I love it. Love it But too. in the sexiest way. <laughs> all right. Rach is going to kick us off with some great choices. We'll start with Eve, shall we? Sure, yeah. Um, I only have one suggestion to me. This is a very clear pick, and I don't want any argument from either of you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
So my pick is Kristen Malotti. Is that how you say her name? Oh, yeah. She's the mother from oh, How I Met Your Mother. Oh, in Palm Springs. She's in Palm Springs. I love her. That actually, is, that actually is quite good. To me, she's very Eve because she's like funny, a little bit offbeat, slight goth girl vibes. Yeah, yeah. Certainly in Palm Springs, she has that. Or I would say, although she's like slightly more. She's more fierce party in girl Palm than Springs. That, yeah. I, but she definitely has that vibe in How I Met Your Mother. Um, yeah, I think that's good. I think she's the one. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I've had her in my mind for a while. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I know I'm like always banging on about <laughs> lovesick, but I, she, Antonia Thomas, she just has that kind of vibe for me. I guess because I saw her in lovesick be like, have be unrequitedly Pine. in love. Yeah. Um, so Antonia Thomas. And then I thought, I don't know, Carrie Mulligan. I might, might, might. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like mine went great. You were, you were losing me with Antonia Thomas, but Carrie Mulligan is just How fully was I off the deep you end. With Antonia Thomas, because she's I don't know, just cute and pretty. And where's her? Yeah, vibes? she's too. I think too she's sweet. 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 Yes. Look, I I found I I oddly found Eve quite difficult. So I found it very hard, and my choices are terrible. <laughs> 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 and you're gonna hate them. Let's hear <laughs> Claire Foy. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you're just a you're a troll you're an internet i'm not troll. A, how am i an internet troll i don't think i just for some reason i just I, yeah i can't see i i, I you can't don't even see buy it, it yeah. <laughs> like why are I you saying that name yeah um <laughs> i don't know what i'm doing i also write down claudia jesse played eloise bridgerton okay <laughs> i think that's slightly no, usually that's, that's, that's slightly the same book that 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 is that is better than Claire Foy. Yeah. That's that's not terrible. It's not good though. Yeah, I know it's not good. I don't know what's between me typing these names and actually reading them now. I've something's happened. I've changed. I'm much more confident about my boys than Oh yeah, I've got my, some good yeah. boys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But those are your two picks. Um <laughs> yeah. Go on. anymore. Yeah. I also wrote down Katie Lung who played Cho Chang. Do you know what? <laughs> Weirdly, she came off of my list too, and I don't know why. What did, did I think she might actually be the best of the three, actually. I actually don't hate that. But she's maybe too sweet and passive. We I don't know, but I, I've only really seen her playing Chang, yeah. a sweet, passive character, though. So. Um, I think Rachel takes the crown. Yeah, I think I Rachel do, takes yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, you Well, you, you win that round. Yeah. You haven't won the war. <laughs> You're so pleased. <laughs> you come up with book well, picks. I don't know why you think you're... Well, I'm happy about it because I feel really strong. Yeah, that, that was good. Okay. So next, do Ed? you want to do Finley or Ed? I think Ed. Ed. I feel very confident about my Ed. I... Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna break a rule with my suggestion. Well, well, well. You're because not casting someone daddy. No, he's living, but I don't... I mean, is he an actor? This is on the fringe. We could maybe get him in. Someone who I have, okay, the person I have in mind is James A. Caster. Oh my God, no. Uh, what? That is just, that is who I pictured as. Rachel, Ed. no. you telling me Christina Miliotti playing opposite James A. Caster. <laughs> well, for like five seconds. Not five seconds. He's the main character. I cannot believe that she would be, have an unrequited love with him okay i knew you weren't gonna go for that i knew you weren't gonna go for it but that's just who i am secretly thinking of how about jack (gasps) loden 
He's he's on my list. Is he? Yeah. Okay. So he works. Yeah, he definitely has he, advice. He, yeah. Because he's like slightly preppy, could be a bit teachery. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but like handsome as well. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I think that's, I mean, that's, that's much probably, better than that's James That's probably my strongest. <laughs> Another I, one. I don't, that's, those are two totally different directions. I know. Too. Well, not really. Um, another one I thought of was Taylor Swift's boyfriend, Joe Alwyn. Of course. Yeah. He's, I, I prefer, he's maybe slightly young. I prefer but. Jack Logan. But that, but that, that isn't bad. Okay. I've only got one name on my list. And yes, and I did watch Love Sick recently. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. god. Johnny Flynn. I kn- That's all I have on my list. Yay, come on. Unbelievable. Johnny Flynn is How is the he perfect not? That's a good head. choice. I feel like he's too grungy. Grungy. Well, I mean, give him a give him, a give him some gel and put oh, him in a button he's, down. He's got like rock and roll grunge vibes. He's too, no, he he's he's too cool to be a teacher. Come Do, on. Is he? He's not too cool to be a teacher. No, he, he, he doesn't me? give he doesn't give off that like sort of responsible like think oh of when God. think of after Susie dies and Ed like marches into the house and he's like I'm just going to do a sweep for the drugs. Sorry, what kind of teachers did you have at your school? I always very like shiny, clean cut, dependable. So he played Mister Knightley. Like that's a very teacherish role. No, he was kind of like an edgy Mister Knightley. No, he wasn't. Oh my gosh, no! I mean, half the teachers <laughs> I like that taught me came in like. Like they'd definitely been drinking the night before and they were half of them were like 25, 26. So Johnny Flynn is good. I I don't I think am not accepting I don't your... think it's quite right. It's not better than Jack Loden. No, it's yeah. better. No, it's not well, better. I think mine's better. Okay, we'll find about this later. You can hear my Sorry, you need to weigh in. You need to weigh in. You can hear my okay. choice. You're not gonna like it. <laughs> oh no, here we go. James Milton. I actually did think of that. I mean, I... the reason I think you wouldn't like it is because you don't want him to play that role. Yeah. But when you actually read it on the page, you're like, very, what's his name again? James Norton vibes. Yeah. I think James Norton is too handsome. The thing is, I, yeah. I actually agree that he would be good for it. I mean, when you're thinking like Finley is like supposed to have this fierce geometry in, in, in like contrast yeah. to Ed, that's handsome, but like affable and I mean, handsome. no one There's has more geometry in the face than... There's something a bit edgy to to James Norton. To me, James know? Norton is very much Adam West from If I Never Met You. I, I think I think hmm. James Norton, to me, is always on the edge of playing a really good bad guy because he's just got that kind yeah. of... got the vibe, yeah. yeah. Should we compromise and say Jack Loudon? Yeah, all right, all right. I still think yeah. Johnny Flynn is better. But no. Yeah, I had him on my list, but I'm not going to... You also have Jack the energy Loudon, to yeah. fight Rachel Mouse. <laughs> Okay. Too tenacious. All right, I want to. Well, then I want to hear your Finley suggestions okay. because I feel so confident in my Finley. I feel really good about mine too. I only have one choice: Ben Barnes. Oh my god! Very good. I Very do good. love Ben Barnes. Rocks does notoriously love Ben Barnes. <sighs> I do. He's hot. In fact, I I love Ben Barnes so much. I was disappointed that he wasn't the main in Stardust. You know, there's a tiny bit part, and then I was like, oh, Charlie Cox. Yeah, but Charlie Cox. Oh, is Charlie hot. Cox is so good He's in so that. He's so good Come in that. I know, but I just love especially ben when Barnes. he gets his long hair. Oh. <laughs> Those curtain bangs. Do you no, know the curtain bangs are to start with, and then he gets the flowing. No, locks. no, that's 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 just curtains. Yeah. The curtain bangs are the ones that come down later. Oh, okay, I you're actually, obsessed with curtain bangs. I know I am. I really need to say something about Stardust. Did you know Henry Cavill is in that movie? Yeah. 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 
He plays the the bad guy that Sienna Miller's Humphrey. With. Yeah, I was astonished. He's actually revealed to be gay at the end, isn't he? Yeah, he's revealed to be gay. Yeah, he he like shares a look with uh, Robert De Niro. Oh, yeah. I didn't catch the meaning of that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you poor sweet summer you just child. Thought, you just thought they were good friends. <laughs> no, I, actually, like, I never knew what to make of that scene. Oh, mm. you were so cute. Aww. I can't believe you didn't get that. I That's never understand art. Adorable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not art. That's cruising. <laughs> that's cruising. Uh, anyway, yeah, that must be Campbell's only blonde role. Like, it? that yeah. was an absolute shocker to me. I, I have watched, Sardis is actually like one of my favorite movies. That's I like, love that film. It's like a sick day movie I actually watched me. it. I watched it the other day. And so good. I just, I, it never, it has never clicked for me in years and years that that was Henry Cavill. Anyway, he can carry on. <laughs> um, okay, well mine, which I think, I hate to say it, I, I do think, I've got a couple really good options. My top option is Tom Bateman, who was recently in Behind Her Eyes. <sighs> And he was in Vanity Fair and he just has the right look. He's super hot. He's he was quite intimidating in behind her eyes. He he has that Finley vibe where he you think he's a bad guy, but he's actually kind of a good guy. I don't mind it, but I sort of dispute that he has the right look because he's too sort of solid looking. Whereas I see Finn as being much more sharp. Well, well I think Ben Barnes is is a, is a stronger pick there. I love Tom Bateman and Ben Barnes. <laughs> I don't know how to put it. Then the second one is uh, Simu Leo. He is, he's definitely got fierce geometry. He's super hot. And he's very charming. Yeah, and he's Canadian. And he's <gasps> Canadian. Well, 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 well. Which always Get gets in. you an extra bonus point Get from me. So, yeah. What do you think? There was like zero reaction to that. Yeah, because it's fine, but it's not better than Ben Barnes. Yeah, That's I mean, I, I, it's, I can't really comment because I haven't seen him in anything. Mm-hmm. But he's certainly very handsome. And Kim's Convenience is a great show. Well, look, I'm not going to say no to Ben Barnes. You know this. It's like I feel like you, you're cheating because you just... Wait to hear mine, though. Oh, <laughs> okay. Okay, who you got? Aaron Taylor-Johnson. Oh, do you know what? That's not bad. He, <gasps> I don't like Aaron Taylor Johnson more than Ben Barnes, so I gotta. I yeah. definitely do because Aaron Taylor Johnson is a better actor than Ben Barnes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Good point, but mm. I don't know. Okay, I've got two. I've got two other options: Tom Hughes, who plays Albert in. <laughs> no, 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 no. Why? No, no, no. no. Do you I, not think I, he has the right look? No. No, 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 no. No, no, no I don't no, like no. that at all. No, 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 no. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, well then my third choice, and I think you're going to like this one, right? Tom Hughes could be Jack and who's that girl? Yeah. Third choice, Finn Whitrock. <laughs> yes. She, she dropped her pen. That's She dropped her pen. You know actually, I love that's that my man. favorite. That's <laughs> you my know favorite. I love that man. No, that is my favorite. I, I, I actually can totally see him in that role. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ben Barnes. I love you so much. Um, <laughs> ben Barnes, Finn- if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> He's definitely listening. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you got that envelope with my eyelashes in it. Um, yes, Finn Rit- Whitrock is genius, actually. Can uh, you not just imagine him coming into yeah. Costa Coffee with his white trainers on? Yeah. Maybe carrying a little man bag. Yeah, and he's... Being he's, really snooty. He's got 
sort of he can do sharp energy, but he's also got puppy dog do you energy. Know, it just upsets me so much that I have been flying the flag for Finn Wittrock literally since this podcast began and you never let me have him and then you just bring him in for this. This is a what, casting so nobody show. else is allowed to say his name now? Is that it? No, just every time I say him, you guys are like, no, no. And then all of a sudden you're like, no, he would be perfect. Yeah. And look. I mean, yeah sure that's fine like i, I absolutely yeah, love that let's, let's yeah let's do you finn can't Wittrock. like look at finn Wittrock's face and not say that that chin is fierce geometry yeah i agree i, I take I your eye out of that i have crashed he looks a little bit evil as well. yeah. yeah all right i feel pretty good about this so we've got chris Miliotti, finn Wittrock, and then james a caster <laughs> no uh, jack loden jack loden jack loden i still think johnny flynn man okay Never know. <laughs> well, let's not forget that I did also suggest Claire Foy. He could <laughs> just play all the roles. <laughs> How could you? I'm sorry. Claire Foy.